Well, church, are you ready for a word? I hope you are ready wherever you are in your home, in your living room. I hope you have your Bible open. Why don't you type in the comments if you're ready for a word? Type I'm ready in the comments. Let's get excited about the word of God. God's word is life. It brings so much truth and revelation to our lives. It transforms us from the inside out. And here's what I want to tell you today. There is a word from God, a right now word from God for you. I truly believe that what God is sharing today is important for so many members within our church and so many of you who are watching. So as we get ready to enter into that word, let's lift our hands wherever we are or put one hand up while you watch and hold your phone or whatever it may be. Let's petition God to do something powerful today. Let's have a heart of expectation and let's desire to posture ourselves in a way where God can speak to us. God, we love you. We thank you for all the things that you have done. We thank you for the fact that as we enter into this moment, you were already here preparing something special for us. God, we know that you are the person, you are the one who speaks to dead things and causes them to live. You are the great force who oversees everything, sees all, knows all, and is involved in all. So God, would you be involved in our lives? Would you speak to dead things, cause them to live? Would you transform us from the inside out as we open up your word? God, we know there can be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this cyber pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your love, burn for your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go to Deuteronomy. Okay, we're going Old Testament. Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, chapter 31. We're going to read from verses 1 to 8, or we're going to deal with that for the entirety of the sermon. But I'm only going to read verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7. And it reads as follows. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into this land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. So as most of you have probably detected, I'm not a typical type of preacher. And so many of my preacher friends, they plan out the year in advance for what they're going to preach. And I love that. And I've done that before. And I think that's amazing. But, you know, I'm the type of preacher that tends to plan things out, especially in a time of transition and uncertainty like this moment, about a month or two months ahead. Because I always want to be in tune with what the spirit of God is saying what God might shift, what God might say in a moment like this. And especially as we've dealt with the pandemic, as we've dealt with being virtual for so long, over a year now, it is important for us to be in tune to what God would say, not just what I think you want to hear, or what I assess you need to hear, but what God already knows that you need to hear. One of the things that God has been really impressing upon my heart over the past couple of months, and it's really become louder and louder in my prayer time, have opened up the scriptures, is this core thought, this statement. We need courageous people. God needs courageous people. Uh, somebody type courage in the comments. 
It's so important that this word, this phrase, this idea, this reverberation has been constantly replaying in my mind again and again and again. God keeps saying we need courageous people. You need to be a courageous man. Courage, courage. It's constantly replaying. And so the question I want to ask you today, church, is do you need some courage? Maybe something that you may need for a decision that you're getting ready to make. Maybe something that you need for a conversation that you should have. Maybe something that you need for a business that you should start. Maybe something that you need for a move that you need to take. Maybe something that you need to step out in faith for God. Do you need courage today? If I would wager to guess, and I don't even know where you're coming from or what situation you are currently facing right now, but if I would wager to guess, all of us in some way, shape, or form need to increase our courage. Every single one of us in some way, shape, or form needs to be more courageous. The problem is that our idea of courage has been shaped so much by the culture, shaped so much by what we expect or perceive courage to be, that many of us have shrunk back and our courage has lessened. You know, when we think of courage, we think of this power moment. We think of certain types of people. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story earlier this week. It was a story of a man named Omari Nayega, and he was a orphanage worker. Him and his mother ran an orphanage in Nairobi, Kenya. And in 2012, there were abandoned uh, children and abandoned villages where children had been left unattended and and, and perhaps the victims of war or tribal conflict. And in the midst of this, they, they grabbed about 50 children and they put them into an orphanage and they started running it over the course of years. And, and Omari was 24 years old when he started to have to defend the orphanage against invading raiders who wanted to kidnap the children. And so on three different occasions, he had defended the orphanage and defended the children against these invading attackers. And there was one night where he was sleeping and he heard something and woke up. And when he opened his eyes, he realized that there were three men surrounding his bed, all with machetes in their hands. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a terrifying moment. That's perhaps the worst possible moment that you could find yourself in as you awake in the night. And so Amari did what any of us would. He grabbed the nearest thing that he possibly could. And it just so happened that he had a hammer sitting under his bed. He grabbed the hammer and started swinging wildly as much as he possibly could to scare them away, to keep them away from the children. And they started running away and he thought that he was uh, successful in his attempt to push them away. And he turned around and let his guard down. And as soon as he turned around, there was a machete that came down and hit him straight in the middle of his head. Luckily for him, even though he was bleeding, it wasn't a fatal wound, it wasn't a mortal wound, but he was still able to fight his way back against these invading attackers, and he successfully defended the orphanage. Someone heard about this story, this tale of great courage, and they were a visiting student from Penn State University. This visiting student put out the call on Reddit to raise some money. He said, let's just raise $2,000 to complete a fence and, and com to complete a fortress for this orphanage. And eventually, once people heard of Omari's courage, they sent in over $80,000. Omari was not just able to build the fence for the orphanage, but he was also able to get his studies in engineering and start his own construction business. When we think of courage, that's the type of story we think of. 
When we think of courage, that's the type of moment we're expecting. But the problem is we have built up courage to mean something that the Bible does not necessarily say courage is. Yes, it is true that courage will require bravery. Yes, it is true that courage will require us to have determination. Yes, it is true that courage will require something deep on the inside of us. But the truth of the matter is, catch this, courage is simply the commitment to do whatever God has called us to do, even if it scares us. Courage is simply the commitment to do whatever God has called for us to do, even if it scares us. So let me ask you again, church, do you need some courage this morning? If that's you, why don't you put a hand emoji in the comments? Why don't you lift your hand and be honest? I'll lift both of my hands and one of my feet just to let you know I need some courage in my own life. What do you need courage for today? What is it that scares you? What is it that makes you afraid? What is it that keeps you up late at night? What is it that makes you afraid to move in the direction that God has called you to move? I'm here to wage war against that fear. I'm here to encourage you, to put courage in you. I am here to lift you up and to challenge you to be strong and courageous. That's what our text tells us, Deuteronomy 31. Moses looks at the people, he looks at Joshua, the new leader, and says, be strong and courageous. But if we're going to talk about courage, we have to unpack, we have to unlearn some of the myths. We have to demystify courage. So I'm going to share with you a couple of myths and some corresponding realities about courage. And these are things that I want you to write down because it's so important for you to think of courage biblically. Think of courage in the right way so that you can use it and believe it and stand on it when you need it. Deuteronomy 31 verse 1, it says this, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I'm now 120 years old. I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. You want to know the first myth of courage that we've bought into, that we've believed for ourselves? Here it is. Write this down. The first myth is this. Courageous people are born that way. Courageous people are born. There is a mentality in our minds that courageous people are just innately built that way. There is just an, a, a reality. There is just this thought in our minds that courageous people are just made of different type of stuff. They're just the people who were born courageous. They're just it's just something about them. And and there's probably this misconception in this text, too. And to understand this misconception, you, you would have to know about the two principal characters of this text. Moses on one hand and Joshua on the other. Moses was reaching a point as they were at the plains of Moab, getting ready to enter into the promised land, the land that God had showed them and told them that they were going to be entering into. The land flowing with milk and honey, the land of abundance, the land that had been promised to their ancestors. And Moses was their leader. He was the only leader that many of them or any of them had ever known. Moses was the leader when they were taken out of Egypt. 
Moses was the leader when the Red Sea was split. Moses was the leader who was bold enough by the power of God to stand against Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses was the leader who had carried them through the wilderness. Moses was the leader who had stood up against kings and enemies and opposing nations who wanted to kill them. Moses was the leader that God had spoken through. Moses was the one who had brought down the commandments from the mountain. Moses was the one whose, whose face shined like the sun because he had spent time in the presence of God. And it's interesting because as Moses was the only leader they had ever known, Moses had to give some instructions and, and break the news to them that God had told him, you're not going to be allowed to cross the Jordan into the promised land. You see, Moses had disobeyed God. Moses had allowed the people to get on his last nerve and he had hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God told him that because you disobeyed me, because you broke and violated the commandments, there are consequences for this violation and you cannot go over into the promised land with the people. Can you imagine the fear that they felt? Can you imagine what Joshua thought? Joshua, interestingly enough, was not one who had the typical stuff that everyone would have expected. He was not necessarily the one that people would have appointed if given the opportunity. Joshua was born in Egypt just like all of them. He was born in slavery. He didn't have a wilderness burning bush moment. Joshua wasn't necessarily the type of person who had the perfect stuff or the perfect pedigree, but there's something interesting about this reality. Joshua is having to follow someone who was very courageous. Have you ever looked at someone and admired what they had, admired how they carried themselves? And you looked at how they carried themselves and their courage and you said, well, God, if courage looks like that, there's no way I can be courageous. Is anybody honest enough to admit that there are some people who make it look easy? There are some people who just make it look like they never have any problems or any cares in the world. You know, some people that when you ask them how they're doing, they always say, I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? It seems as though they don't have any bad days. It seems as though everything is working out well for them. It seems as though their kids are always smiling. They don't have any crumbs on their face. It seems as though everything is working out according to their plans and according to how God would use them. And you're, you're asking the question, what is it about them? Maybe it's their connections. Maybe it's the way they're living. Maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about here? There are some people that you see in your life and you're looking and you're saying, hey, there's no way I can reach up to that level. There's no way that I can reach that height. There's no way that I could follow after them. There's no way that I could do that courageous thing. And God is looking down. And you know what God is probably saying? You know what God was saying to the people who looked at Joshua and said that he couldn't measure up to Moses? You know what God was saying to Joshua in the moment where he thought he couldn't measure up to Moses? You know what God is saying to you today, church? about you looking at other people and thinking that they're more courageous and because of that, you can't be like them. God wants to remind you there's a difference between called people and qualified people. You see, we look at the people who have the qualifications. God looks at the people who have the calling. And many times what we think is courage in someone else is actually the confidence that they are walking in their calling. And what we see and what we envy is not the qualifications, it is not the results, it is not the success, it is not the look, but it's the security in our calling. And I'm here to tell you and remind you that the great people you read in the Bible and the great people who seem to be doing great things and amazing things, even in your local community, 
God says you can do those same things. Why? Not because you're qualified, because you're called. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Let me say it again. God does, God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Do you think that God picks the best and the greatest and the brightest? No, Paul dispels this notion in 1 Corinthians. Paul says this. He says, do you think that God picks the great and the mighty and the wise and the brilliant? No, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. And so I'm here to remind you, if the myth is that courageous people are born, here's the reality. Courageous people are not born, they're built. <laughs> Let me say it again. Courageous people are not born, they're built. You don't believe me? Let me prove it to you. The first mention of Joshua in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 17. You know what's so interesting about that? Because it says in Exodus chapter 17, that Joshua is Moses's assistant. Joshua got in proximity to the anointing that Moses had and followed after Moses and his confidence was built up from seeing what God did in proximity to his life in Moses's life. So it wasn't that Joshua just had the stuff innately. It was that Joshua submitted to the process of what God had. See, see somebody needs to type in the comments, I'm building. I, I'm building. I know it seems like I'm not great right now, but I'm building. I know it seems like my family doesn't look like they're together, but we building. I know it seems like I don't have all the stuff, but, but don't worry about that. I'm building. I know it seems like people have me down and, and what they say about me has affected me. But, but let me remind you, I'm building. So you got to build yourself up and you got to look around and say, God is doing a great work in me and the work that God started in me. He's not going to fail to complete that work. Somebody needs to say it again. I'm building. I'm building. Courageous people are not born. They're not innate. They're built. And I'm here. I told you at the end of last year that 2021 is going to be the call out gift season. It's going to be the year where we call out the gifts that live in you. Call out the gifts that exist on the inside of you. Can I say something? Hope you receive this the right way. But can I say something to you, church? There are not enough business owners in this church. There are not enough entrepreneurs in this church. There are not enough book authors in this church. There are not enough podcast hosts in this church. There are not enough homeowners in this church. Why? Because those things are markers of success. No, that has nothing to do with it. You want to know why there aren't enough? Because some of you have been called and you don't think you were born with it. So you have not exercised the courage that God has already put on the inside of you. And here's the problem. You aren't walking in your calling because of fear. And I'm here to call it out, church. 2021 is dead. It's over. Stop acting like you can't do it because you don't have the typical qualifications that everybody says you should have. Stop acting like you can't step out in faith because you don't look like so-and-so or don't have their gift or don't have their money or their network or their power. None of it matters, church. None of it matters. I hope that you realize that courageous people 
are not the people who are qualified. They're the people who embrace the calling. Somebody put it down in the comments if you haven't already. I'm building. I'm building. Courageous people aren't born, they're built. As we keep going, the Bible says that after Moses tells them, breaks the news that you shall not, I shall not cross into the Jordan. You're going to cross over without me. He says this in verse three. The Lord, your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Here's the second myth. The first myth is that courageous people are born. Here's the second myth. Second myth is this. Courage is about what you bring to God. (laughs) Is the myth. Courage is about what you bring to God. You know, one of the things that has been a confusion as we've talked about Christianity, as we talked about the American, the Western idea, the construction of the faith, is that many of us have believed and thought erroneously that it is about what we bring to God. We have this version of religion that is 90% God, 10% us. We have this version of Christianity that where we bring something to the table and God sprinkles a little magic dust on it, sprinkles a little Jesus juice in there. And then what happens? All of a sudden a miracle happens and then God uses our effort along with Jesus. Here, There's nothing wrong with effort. There's nothing wrong with working. But here's the problem is many of us believe that if we don't bring courage to God, that God can't work with us. And it would be easy for the children of Israel to believe this because Moses is leaving. He's about to die. And as Moses is about to die, what are we going to do now? We don't have the strength. We don't have the numbers. We don't have the people around us. And we definitely don't have the same leadership. And in a time of transition, how is it that we are going to accomplish this? Have you ever thought that? You ever thought that you weren't bringing enough to God? You ever thought that you looked at your hands and you said there's not enough in these hands? And that's made you shrink back in fear. That's made you take a step back. That's made you act as though you cannot achieve. That's made you act as though you cannot complete the call and the command of God in your life. This is a misnomer, church. We must remember that as followers of Jesus, it's not about what we bring to God. It's about what Jesus has already done for us. Here's the reality. If the myth is that courage is about what you bring to God, the truth, the reality is courage is about what's given from God. Let me prove it to you. It says in verse three, the Lord, your God himself will cross over ahead of you. The Lord, your God himself will do to them what he did to Sion and Og. The Lord, your God himself will deliver them to you. And here's why this is good news, church. See, you might not understand this, but in Numbers chapter 13, there were spies that were sent into Canaan, this promised land. Moses sent out a representative from each of the 12 tribes. And and what happens is Joshua and Caleb among them, the 12 spies go into the land and they see that there's great flowing milk and honey. They see that there's great advancement. They see that this would be the perfect promised land for them to exist in. And of course they should say, yes, let's go ahead and take the land. But the 10 spies spoke up and you know what they said? We're like grasshoppers amongst the people. They're giants. They've got might. They've got money. They've got connections. 
Uh, what am I? I'm just a grasshopper. I'm just an ant in front of them. I'm just small in front of them. What do I have to bring to the table? My credentials don't really match up. What do I have to bring to the table? I don't have any experience in this area. What do I have to bring to the table? People don't look at me as the, as the most likely or the most likely to succeed. They look at me as the least likely to exceed. What do I bring to the table? We're scared. We can't do this. And God is saying, you sent over people ahead of you before. But now instead of sending people ahead of you before, I'm going to go myself. This is a word for somebody. Some of you need to know that you need to have courage. Why? Not because you need to go or look ahead, but because God has prepared the way for you. It hits different when God prepares the way. It hits different when God steps into the future and sets it up for you. It hits different when God already prepares the place for your feet to land when you step out by faith. It hits different when God opens up the door. So when you step out in faith and in courage, the doors are already open for you. The seat is already ready for you. The table is already set for you in the presence of all your enemies and everybody who thought you couldn't do it. It hits different when God does the work for you. And many of us are trying to do the work for ourselves. But courage comes when you realize that God is going to already do the thing that you cannot do in your own strength. What God has called us to work on, we can work on. But there are some things God is going to do for us. Is anybody glad that God does all the heavy lifting for us? Is anybody glad that God clears out the path for us? Is anybody glad that God will slay the giants for us? Is anybody glad that God is going to prepare the way? If it's true that courageous people are not born, but they're built. If it's true, if it's true that courage is about what, what's given from God, not what we bring to God. It's also true that many of us believe that courage is determined and dictated by the outside. This is the third myth. Courage is about what it looks like on the outside. Courage is about how we appear. Do we appear strong? Do we appear mighty? Do we appear awesome? Do we appear to be the people who have focus? Do we appear to be the people who don't have any problems or concerns? Do we appear to be the people who never have any emotions? Do we appear to be the people who are never rattled? Do we appear to be the people who have it all together? And in this text in verse six, Moses says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Why? Because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with the people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, one of the things that we expect is because of how it looks on the outside, because of the things that we're facing, because of the obstacles, because of the challenges, because of the difficulties, it would be easy for us to think that courage is not possible because, of course, courage is something that we can see, or at least that's what we think. Courage is something that we can measure. Courage is something that we can identify. Courage is something that we can see in others clearly, evidently. So. It must be how we look. It must be our external appearance. It must be the outside. But the truth of the matter is that courage is not about what happens on the outside. That while it may seem as though the outside looks daunting, 
It may seem as though you are worried about what you are going to do next for employment. It may seem as though you don't have anyone in your corner. It may seem as though you're not going to get this opportunity. It may seem as though the outside is going to overwhelm you. But there's another reality. Church, when the pandemic ends, I need you to hold me accountable in something. I need you to hold me accountable to take my wife on a trip. I need you to hold me accountable. Can you do that? I want to go on a trip. Now, mind you, there's just one important caveat about this trip. Okay, just two words. No children. Okay, can you all hold me accountable? All right, I need a fist bump. I need some. I need a fist in the air. I need a salute. I need some sort of, of, of sign in the comments that you're going to hold me accountable. Okay, can you do that? Hold me accountable that I'm going to take my wife on a trip. No children. It's interesting because beforehand, before the pandemic hit, we were going to go on a trip. And one of the things that we had toyed around with is the idea that we were going to go on a cruise. Now, cruise sounds wonderful, right? It sounds amazing. Or at least that's what most people think. Truth of the matter is, I don't do water. Listen, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm out on the high seas by myself. I get it. I understand. It's a huge cruise ship. But hey, I watched this movie one time called Titanic, and that just ruined me for everything. Listen, I think every cruise ship is eventually possibly could be the Titanic. So you know what? I don't swim, I don't do water, so I stay away from that. Listen, I'm just gonna be honest with y'all. And it sounds great. There's a lot of sun and you get to go to exotic places and all the food that you can eat. And with my wife, it all sounds great and wonderful and magnificent. But the truth of the matter is, church, I'm afraid of water. And you know, I wanna do some research before I made the decision to go on this cruise ship. I'm glad I didn't. Glad I didn't pay that money, especially pre-pandemic. But, you know, I was looking up the idea. How do cruise ships stay afloat? How is it that cruise ships are able to not sink? How is it that cruise ships are cruise ships really safe? Google send. <laughs> that was what I was looking up. And here's what I learned, church. I learned that cruise ships and large vessels, they are built with a certain type of filtration system. And this filtration system is very interesting because what most of us would expect is that these cruise ships would be able to stay and keep water away from the cruise ship or out of the cruise ship. They'd be able to keep the water at bay and glide through, right? But the truth of the matter is they actually accept water into the ship. But the water doesn't stay in the ship. There is a filtration system that takes the water inside the ship and filters it back out. So it's a symbiotic motion that keeps the boat afloat. And it's interesting because most of us would think that's a dangerous thing, but it's, it's actually the reality that even if it a little bit gets inside, even if some of it gets inside, even if some of it impacts the way in which the ship maybe rocks back and forth a little bit, as long as the water doesn't stay there, the ship is able to float. As long as the water doesn't sit in the boat, the ship is, is, is able to stay afloat and not to sink. And, and here's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of this Eugene Peterson quote where Eugene Peterson says this. He said, all the water in the oceans can't sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. This is what I want to remind you, church. Courage is refusing to allow what's on the outside to stay on the inside. Courage is saying, I know that some fear may get in and I know that some disappointment may get in. I know that some worry may get in. 
I know that some concern may get in. I know that some doubt may get in. I know that it may seem as though there is no possible way for me to keep out the troubles and the cares of this life. I know that a little bit's going to get in because the truth of the matter is there's so much all around. There's so much doubt and there's so much fear and there's so much pain and concern and worry and anxiousness that some is going to get in. But here's the truth of the matter, church. If you're a believer and if you believe in the truth of Jesus Christ, What's inside, what's on, on the outside can't stay on the inside. What might slip in from the outside can't make residence on the inside. And here's what I think God is calling for you to, you to do. I believe God is calling for you to make a resolute declaration that as you step forward in courage, you are not going to allow the things on the outside to take up permanent residence on the inside of your heart and your soul. No, I won't allow fear to build a home in my soul. I won't allow doubt to build a tabernacle in my heart. I won't allow the concerns and worries and, and the people who look down upon me to build up permanent residence in my soul. I'm gonna filter it out and I'm gonna take some of it in and it's gonna get in, but as soon as it gets in, I'm gonna filter it out. And, and some of the doubt may get in, but I'm gonna filter it out. And some of the oppression may get in, but I'm gonna filter it out. And some of the, the suppression from the enemy may filter in, but I'm gonna filter it back out. Is anyone here? me God desires for you to have a filtration system that pushes the things out and God today is just telling you to do this why don't you just push it out push it out of where it may take residence push it out before it takes root push it out before it sets up a permanent home that's what courage looks like courage is not about the outside the outside may seem daunting courage is making sure that what's on the outside doesn't stay on the inside and God today wants you to pluck up some roots God today wants you to pluck up some weeds. God today wants you to dig up some seeds. God today wants you to remove some things that have been strongholds in your heart. Lift your hands right now. God wants to remove them. God right now, he wants to come down and he wants to remind you that greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, who can be against you? Do you have courage? Do you need courage today, church? Do you need some things to get out? Do you need to be reminded that God is building something on the inside of you? Do you need to be reminded that it's not about what you bring to God, but it's about what God has already done for you? You need to be reminded, church. Do you need courage today? God, I pray for power, for courage, for determination, for might, for strength to be delivered to your people right now. Every hand that's lifted, your Holy Spirit would grab them and would put courage on the inside of them. It's not about what they have in their hands. It's not about the greatness that they may not be able to bring. But God, I pray that they would hear and know that as their hands are lifted in surrender, that you have already gone before them and prepared the way. May the youngest to the oldest the weakest to the strongest, the poorest to the richest, the person who has the most confidence to the person who has the least, be built up today, not based upon external factors and things that society has said is true, but may they be built up in their most holy faith, remembering that you are building something in them. And the thing that you started, you won't neglect to complete. I pray for every person right now in the name of Jesus that's supposed to start a business, that's supposed to write a book,
that's supposed to to leave their job, that's supposed to leave their relationship, that's supposed to make that investment, that's supposed to have that conversation, whatever it may be, God, may they not delay one more day, but may they walk in the courage that comes from you. May they be bolstered within as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Courage. I pray that God gives you more, and I pray that you walk in it this week. Love and care for you. Well, church, I said it last week. The greatest news you can receive is that there is a God who knows you, loves you, and cares for you, and expects nothing from you other than surrender. Isn't that great news? To know that God, to believe in that God, to call that God your friend. And that's why we're here. We desire for people to have a transformative relationship with Jesus. We desire for that God to be seen and known in our lives, in your life. That's why we're here. So if you have not met that God and you desire to, I want you to type home in the comments. It is just very simple. It's just a prayer away that as you reach out and say, God, reveal yourself to me. I know that the way I've been living isn't the way that I want to continue. I want to follow after this person that everyone keeps talking about. I want to follow after this Jesus because it seems as if this Jesus has a better way. It seems as though this Jesus offers the overflowing grace, love, peace, and joy, and salvation that I desire and that I need. And if that's you again, type home in the comments. Nothing gives us more joy, not producing a service, not preaching a good sermon, not singing songs. Nothing gives us more joy than to see you taken from your state into life eternal, taken into a joy that you cannot even comprehend. And so if that's you again, type home in the comments and we are excited to introduce you to that God. If you just tuned in and you would like to give, you can do so in three ways. You can click the giving link in the comments. You can also go to NDCC Pensacola on your Android or iPhone iOS store. You can download our app and you can do that there as well. Or you can mail it in the old fashioned way, PO Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida 32503. Well church, I miss you so much. I pray that this message and the worship has encouraged you to get through the week. And we'll see you next week for another service right here at NDCC Pensacola, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. I love you. I hope you stay safe and healthy. And I'll see you next week. Peace. It's all for you. Really ain't nothing new. We ain't been loving you. It's hard to choose. Really hard not to lose. You ain't throwing out the dose. It's all for you. It's all for you. All for you, really ain't nothing new. We ain't been loving you. It's hard to choose, really hard not to lose. You ain't throwing out the dose. It's all for you. It's all for you. Yeah.